Good day, good people. Uh, it's Crystal Brainier, and this is a very, very special podcast. Uh, to give you some background, um, it's it's uh, an example of serendipity when um, attorney Samantha Manning contacted me uh, to discuss something uh, which is which has been on my mind for a very long time, called uh, around my identity as a colored person. So. Uh, you, you will hear uh, from from her side of perspective on a lot of things, you know. And uh, identity is something that I think that we all face and that we all deal with at, at some point. And uh, I I recorded this conversation between the two of us, and you know I would love to hear your thoughts and everything from it as well. It is, you know, a lot of people think that I'm white and I've got a, a, a Christian Afrikaans name. And people think I'm Indian because my, my mixed heritage, I've got, I've got straight hair, I've got very dark skin, and I've got dark circles around my eyes. So there's a lot around um, placing you into a box and how you identify. And there's a thing that, that, that I deal with in my community is not being colored enough. For international listeners, colored um, is actually a race group in South Africa. And it's usually comprised of people of mixed origin or um, who belong to the regional or descendants of the original inhabitants of South Africa, that is the Khoisan people. So, yeah, enjoy this. L- listen to it. Uh, there's a lot of insight, a lot of knowledge, a lot of laughing. Uh, and enjoy it. Okay, there we go. Okay, so like I was saying to you, um, the reason for me wanting to do this is that I'm kind of on this journey of kind of self-discovery in the sense I'm trying to figure out what it means to grow up in the society that we've grown up in and also what it then means, you know, for us to, when people say to you that you're colored, um, what that means and, and, you know, in terms of relational to other people and also the kinds of impact on identity being colored has had. Um, So in essence, it's, it's kind of that journey and it's, it's those discussions that I'm wanting to have with people to understand how it is that, you know, where it is that you come from, how you grew up and what then impacted greatly on your, your formation of identity and what role, if any, being colored has played on that identity. Mm. Um, so in that sense, that's kind of the kinds of conversations I'm wanting to have with people. Um, yeah. You'll be my first one. So you're my guinea pig for this whole experiment. Yay! Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Chris, where are you from exactly? I'm a Joburg boy. I've always been from Joburg West. Um, Joburg West, yes. Yeah, and you know, to, 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 to add to that, a lot of people, even colored people, don't see me as colored and being from Joburg West. They, a lot of people would rather just assume that I'm from Cape Town. For some reason, uh, <laughs> that's you know, all colors. That's that's our homeland. That's where we all come from. Didn't you know? Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, but uh, but they, you know, as as opposed to my heritage, uh, people think mm-hmm. that um, like I moved from there last week. <laughs> oh, okay. Even though you don't have that quite that twang. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Okay, so you you seem to then have experienced a lot of people assuming things about you on the basis of how you look. Yes. Um, yeah, to, to expand on that, uh, 
a lot of colored people see me as colored, but it's because I think I've, I've lived and been in a lot of colored areas. So people are used to it mm-hmm. being mixed um, and, and, and for everybody to look different. But, you know, in terms of my heritage, uh, I mean, I have family members that look more Indian than I do. And I also have family members that um, can, can, can pass as white very, very easily. Like if I do not know mm-hmm. them, and, they, and that's from the same side of the family, you know, that's not even, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, uh, like, like, like one from mom's side, one from dad's side. Everybody is different. People are fair with straight hair or they have very curly hair. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, for me, I mean, uh, uh, having come from hospitality, people always ask me where I was from. And one yeah. guy from, from Zambia, who actually looks like he could be related to me, uh, actually said, where are you from? And I said, I'm from Joburg. He's like, really? You're mm-hmm. South African? You pronounce your R's differently. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that that meant. So, what, to, does to, that mean? Hmm? Well, what does that mean in terms of how I identify because I pronounce my R's differently? Yes, exactly. You know, so so, so the, the problem is people try to fit you in a box, which is ironic given that we are this rainbow nation and um, the, the accent differs from household to household. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not like, okay, you're from there, so you sound like that. Um, especially in a place like Gauteng, everybody is so different, but there's still like this need to put you in a box. Um, and people told me I look Indian. A lot of people um, have have called me Indian, especially recently. Like I'm becoming, like I'm being more, uh, like I'm turning into an Indian the older I go. Um, <laughs> like there's been a, um, a, a, a an increase in the frequency which which people call me Indian. Um, that's, sorry, just a funny story with that. I was, uh, I, I was in a Pakistani store, and I was just yeah. checking out the TVs and some of the gadgets that they had. And I was walking back towards the entrance, and a coloured woman came into the store and asked me, "What is the price of some item she was pointed to?" And I said, to, <laughs> "You know," and I said, to her, "I don't work here. I live up the road." Here. Uh, so, and you, you, you know, um, but but on a more on a more serious note, I've had. Um, colored people, let's say with more Khoi, Khoi San heritage, mm-hmm. as opposed to Great Malay, um, they, they told me I'm not colored. I'm not a true colored because of mixed heritage. Uh, even though I've grown up in colored townships, um, from mm-hmm. the, uh, the, the, the kind of segregation that happened in apartheid, the Group Areas Act, and the pencil test, you know, all of those factors came into yeah. us as a family being moved into colored areas. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. To, I, I'm sorry. It's like I'm 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 hogging your your recording here. But no, no, no. Like I said, it's me interviewing you. It's for you to answer stuff. Oh, okay. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> um, so, like with the Group Areas Act as well, they separated coloreds into how they look. So, um, mm-hmm. I I I grew up in Bosmot or, or in Flerov originally, which was built as yeah. a white area before they gave it to the colored. So the properties there, like, like the quality of the houses and everything are a little bit different, uh, a little bit better. Yeah. And then, um, but my parents were originally moved through to Bosmont. Now, uh, what apartheid did very well was to turn people against each other. So you'd yeah. find that coloreds who looked a certain way were maybe a bit darker, who did not have uh, as straight a stand of hair, were moved to like Eldorado Park or Innerdale. Mm-hmm. So even within coloreds, they say, no, Boston people want to keep them white. You know, I don't know if you've ever been told that. Yes. But <laughs> yes. Yeah, you know, you want to keep you white. Yeah, that Boston is kind of the epitome of 
in terms of colored communities, especially when my mother tells me about how they grew up, was that Bosmont was kind of seen as, you know, the it place for a colored family to be able to live because they were yeah. seen to be better coloreds than, you know, any other colored from Cerevelli or Nuclear or wherever. Yes. And, and that comes so, across even today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. Okay, so then here's the fun questions. So yeah. let's talk about lots of stuff. Okay, because you mentioned that you guys are from Basmont. So mm. then my question to you is, which part of Basmont did you stay in? Because there also seems to have been social strata within the particular communities as to which part of Basmont or Rivoli that you lived in. Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, I... I am from, my, you see, my, my, my father's from Top Bosmont and my mother's from, from Old Bosmont, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and the Top Bosmont one. the class lines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Um, what do they call it? Hypergamy, if I'm pronouncing uh, <laughs> yeah. correctly. Um, yeah, my, my father married someone below his caste, you know, from the other side of the lines. But yeah, that was, that, that, oh, no. that was it. But I grew up predominantly in Lower Bosmont in the will i don't even know what to refer to it as but yeah <laughs> okay so um let me just finish my credit for so then in terms of where you grew up did you mm. notice then that there was a different way in which you were treated because of the part of bosman that you came from man not from bosman specifically i can't think of a single instance where um where where I was treated differently because I'm from Lower Bosmont, but I have been treated differently by let's say people from Nuclear or from Rivoli, um, from what? other colored areas because they sort of group Bosmont as one. But within Bosmont, no, not really. Not really. Okay. Hmm. So then, in terms of your history, what's your family's? I want to say like, you know, what's your family's history? Uh, How does where the people come from? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. Uh, my sister actually did a um, sort of like a bit of research into our background. And at least yeah. one of my grandparents is from the island of St. Helena, which um, for those who don't know, um, so, sorry, I'm speaking like I'm speaking to my guests because I want to put this on my podcast. <laughs> for those who don't know, now, like Napoleon, for example, was exiled there. But there were also, yeah. a lot, it was a British colony. There were a lot of Creole French. and Indian and French people living yeah. there. Um, if I remember correctly, my great-great-grandmother was a housekeeper for Napoleon and his cook even. Uh, but if, oh, you, wow. if you look at the people on that island today, there's about 8,000 of them. That means that the whole island's population yeah. can fit inside Vema Church. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but they all look very, very Indian. They are incredibly dark. And my yeah. grandmother and her brothers look like those people. So and, and, and for example, my mother looks very Indian. My father looks like an Africana. And I got okay. like that Indian Creole French blood that came from there specifically. Okay. Um, and then I think there's some Irish and some Griqua in the mix mm. as well. Now, you mentioned to me that there are parts of your family that look more white than you. Mm. And in terms of, you know, talking to people, there are a lot of stories within colored families about how because some people could pass off as white, that's exactly what they did. Mm. And in essence, rejected, you know, those those portions of their family that were darker in order to reap the economic benefits under apartheid of being able to pass off as white. Did yeah. that happen within you? 
Um, so what happened is my surname is Debrem, and the spelling is quite weird because it's D-E-B-R-A-I-N-E. -E. Um, the it's an Afrikaans sounding surname, but the spelling is completely unique to my family because either my yeah. father's father or his, his grandfather was a playwright in apartheid. Um, yeah. As far as, as, as people being treated differently um, because of how they looked, uh, so, so, so obviously we gain an economic advantage there by, being, by, by, by having uh, one of my grandparents being a playwright in apartheid, who changed our surname from an English surname to an Afrikaans surname. Um, yeah. But, yeah, sorry, my, my, my mind is just, it's, it's going off now because I'm trying to picture all of my family and the stories and what they were saying. <laughs> but um, in terms of any divisions within my family because of, of, of how different everybody looked, I can't think of, of, of any that happened. I know people used to call my mother Kuli because she, she had this long, straight black hair and she was quite dark. Um, but with, within the family, no, not, not necessarily any, any divisions caused by colorism. Um, but there is, uh, but, but a lot of my friends have had history be being dark in the family and being treated differently. I hope that answers your question. No, no, it does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so then in essence, your family's been very kind of accepting of the fact that, you know, there are these range of, if we, we, if we shall, if we call it colors within the family and that yeah. there's all this diversity and they've been very kind of open to that is what you're saying. Yes. So, what? so especially like on my father's side, um, mm -hmm. they all fear my, 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 my father and his yeah. son and um, a lot of them married someone darker as well. So it, it mm -hmm. really, really wasn't an, an, an issue. It's actually quite a trend in my family that that sort of thing's encouraged. <laughs> no, that's actually quite interesting because what's, you know, also still comes through in a lot of colored families is that there is in fact a lot of racism still within the family itself. Oh, um, yes. Um, and you, you know, you hear family members make horrifying comments about you know, people of different colors. And, yeah. you know, it's, I mean, it's hard to have this kind of conversation with someone who's 70 and set in their ways about, you know, in essence, we come from black people. So why, why are we so self-hating? Yes. Because, you know, that's our history. Mm. Um, so that's quite interesting. Um, so you said from what we were talking about, you already seem to identify as colored. Is that correct? Yeah, you know, I, I used to just tell people I was mixed because it was easier for them to process. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I'm, I, I feel like I'm no less colored than somebody whose, whose heritage is uh, predominantly, let's say, Koi or San. Um, mm -hmm. and, but some colored people don't, don't see me as colored, but I identify as, as colored. Yeah. Can I ask you why that is? What is it that formulated your strong ability to identify as colored? Yo, that's a question, man. That's a question and a half. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's sort of like, um, I, I, at first, I, uh, how can I say, I had a bit of loathing towards my, my, my own people because of some of the, and I'll say mild rejection that I got from, from other colors, you know, because I'm from last mm month, -hmm. because um, I've uh, uh, I've got wavy hair instead of you know a tight a tight curl or something. Um, so mm -hmm. I just said, you know what, I'm mixed, and uh, 
to sort of ease that on me. But you know, the, I'm I'm doing a lot of work in the community. I'm I'm reaching out to people, and I'm meeting um, a lot of kids who who are mixed as well. You know, and they identify very strongly as colored. So I've been looking just just looking at, at at the diversity of the colored culture and and identifying as colored mm-hmm. because I believe that that's a plus instead of a negative even you know because it's been seen as negative in some communities um but i'm 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 looking at it like from there from from that perspective that you know what I'm colored and I'm an example mm-hmm. of how um race mixing is is hugely positive you know and yeah I think yeah. <laughs> I haven't actually sat and thought about it, so I'm busy processing while you're talking to me. <laughs> I completely understand. And I mean, if you want, we can continue this discussion another time when you've had a chance to process it. But like I said, it's it's really about so for example, in, in terms of my my our history, is that I, you know, we my mother is from Lower Rivoli, um, not even, you know, so between just above the railway line. So they were, you know, their family is kind of middle class workers. Yeah. Uh, my grandfather worked in a factory. Um, he was, in fact, a black man who was light enough to pretend to be a colored. And, wow. you know, they only found out about the fact that he was, in fact, uh, you know, from KwaZulu Natal, a Zulu man, um, mm. when, like, about four or five years ago. And it turns out that surname is a made-up surname. No one knows how he got to this place because his real name is, in fact, Kanye Malenga. So our surname wow. is not our surname. Mm. Um, and like I said, no one knows how, you know, basically is that, you know, in KZN, he got on a train, he was Kanye Malenga. And by the time he got to Johannesburg, he was Archibald Manning. And <laughs> no one can kind of explain to us how they made this name up or, or yeah. where it came from how they got papers to register him as a colored with that particular name. I mean, and the fact that having made all of this up, he was able to register his children as that is yes. also, you know, a fascinating thing, especially in terms of the, you know, the administrative machinery of the apartheid government. Yeah. So those are the kinds of things. So, you know, that's my family's background. And obviously um, within our own family, there was a lot of racism and colorism because my mother tells stories about how, um, my grandmother's sisters were all kind of fairish, and so she had cousins who were very fair on the like very far on the face spectrum. Mm. And in fact, my grandmother's step family had, you know, played white, but the their version was that they in fact rejected all of the other members that were darker. So, you know, I can still sometimes when I speak to my grandmother, there's still a lot of hurt about yes. family members who wouldn't greet you in the street because of the fear of associating with someone of a darker hue. And yeah. also my mother tells stories about how, in fact, my grandmother's sisters would not allow them to come into the house and play because they were darker than their cousins. Mm. You know, like I said, there's a lot of stuff and hurt in terms of those kinds of relationships within the community. And for myself, I've often felt that this is a community that rejected me and also in a lot of senses a community that I I have difficulty relating to because of the way that I grew up. I started school, um, my, my mother, we were in Australia for three months so I started nursery school there and so obviously by the time I came back I had a very <laughs> strange accent 
Yeah. Um, I was four or five. And then I went to school at Driverly Pride. And then I went to Little Lighthouse. Um, and I remember the teacher was like a white Durbanite lady. So my accent also then got a bit funnier. And mm. then I started primary school at Driverly Primary. And obviously there was a huge disconnect yeah. in terms of, of that already. Because um, as you know, Riverly Primary, like right at the bottom of, of you know, Riverly just yeah. close to the railway line. So already there's class issues within that. Mm. And then I, in 94, went to a school, the old Model C schools. And, you know, for a lot of my primary school years, I was the only person of color in that, that grade. And so obviously it's easier to assimilate, especially when you're that young. Yeah. So I speak in a specific way. And I've noticed that because of that, a lot of people, there's, you know, still in today, there's a disjointure. You speak to someone on the phone and then they meet you in person and they yeah, <laughs> not quite sure, you know, like the, you sound white on the phone, but when I see you, you're brown. So already I'm very sure, not sure how to, to treat you. And, you know, and as you grow up, comments by people saying things to you, like you speak such beautiful English as though <laughs> I like like you shouldn't you. be able to speak yeah. English. And you kind of want to be like, well, what other language would I speak? Especially like when you go to places like Cape Town. Um, mm. And then also what struck me, and so like I said, what's a part of this journey? Um, so we were in Cape Town a few months ago. Sorry, I'm rambling. I'm, my my mind. Oh, I'm enjoying this so much. Well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what struck me as very interesting was about how space is occupied in Cape Town. Mm. So for example... You know, Cape Town is so-called our motherland, right? And yeah. it has the largest population of colored people. Now, when you go out into public spaces in Cape Town, unless they are workers, you don't actually see people of color occupying space in Cape Town. Yeah. Which is very interesting for me because, like, you know, you go to the waterfront and everyone there, you know, like everyone in the restaurants and at the shops are white. And it's only yeah. you really staff of color and you go to table mountain you do all kinds of touristy things and like i was saying it's really struck me that as a fact that you don't see colored people occupying public space and enjoying public spaces you don't see, you know, they, they, see they're more foreigners than, than than colored people in certain spaces exactly and so you know it's a very interesting thing and i was trying to and why that is and what is it about our community that I mean, is it poverty? Is it class? What you know? What is it specifically about the Republic of Cape Town that you see these kinds of things? Yeah. Um, so yeah, and so, uh, this has started me on, on thinking on a lot of things. And like I said to you, I also struggle with identifying as you know, in, as, as coloured, and mm-hmm. as being part of a coloured community. And it's in in a lot of ways. Um, so, you know, this, and you, you see a lot of this. Um, our parents who grew up in places like Wasmont and Riverley and then, you know, become economically successful and then you take your children out and everyone moves to the suburbs. And then... Obviously, so you're keeping your white... Exactly. So you grow up in these suburbs. Um, yeah. And when you try and engage with people back in the communities, it's very hard. And in some ways because of the opportunities and, and resources that you're able to access, having the economic you know, abilities, 
is that you in some ways feel that you have to lessen yourself in order to engage with your own people. Um, so, you know, people aren't interested in having deep conversations with you or any of those kinds of things. And it's very then hard to relate to people because of that disjointure in experience. Yeah. And you see a lot of children who then have access to all these resources going back to those communities and then behaving like, I don't even know how to, but like, you know, typical colors. So suddenly, <laughs> you know, yeah. concerned about shoes and driving a golf and, you know, that becomes this kind of world that they exhibit. But, you know, like I said, you've been exposed to so much more and then you go back into the community and you feel like you have to become less in order to engage. Yeah. So these are kind of the, you know, the things I'm trying to grapple with as I, as I go on these journeys. Um, and so like I'm saying to you, so like, what is it in essence for you that it means to be colored? Mm. So, um, yeah, you know, choosing, it, 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 it's weird because I, I haven't grown up in colored communities. It feels like, it, it, it feels weird that I have to make a choice to be colored because um, yeah. our, our community is not that accepting. Like, like you said, you know, mm. even in Cape Town, um, I'm seen as like a bit of a, uh, a foreigner technically you know and that's um, what's very interesting about our community is we are in some ways so reactionary and insular but in other ways there's a real like spirit of cooperation and you know a sense of community which is also for me a very interesting thing because like i said you can we can be completely reactionary and insular to anything different yeah. but completely accepting of other things which again is like no spectrum you know like if you say someone is conservative and reactionary, you know, these are, you know, in terms of the general stereotype, this is how people will react, but then mm. they can be so open to homosexuality and other things, but like race, no. So it's yeah. very, very interesting. Yeah. You know, I, I actually read a fascinating article on Cape Town. It was called the tale of two cities. And yeah. you know, there's, there's the, the Southern part of Cape Town, which is, heaven you know it's camps bay it's musenberg it's yeah. the, the mountain it's um constantia you know really really beautiful places then there's the mm -hmm. other side you know the the lavender hills the the, yeah, the yeah and, and and for example um oh you know I'm, I'm 36 and i have a best friend my best friend is from there he's from um i can't even remember the part now but he was even in, in in that community, in that very close colored community. He was even called the K word a few times by his family because he was darker. He was slightly darker than everybody else. And again, yeah. they've got black people in their family, so why isn't it as accepted? Um, mm -hmm. And you you know what? In in the the, the, the work that I do here, I bring it a bit closer to home. Uh, I have to sit down with kids because the the, the reason why I speak with a neutral accent is because. Um, in hospitality, they sort of drilled that into me because international yeah. guests were struggling to understand me if I spoke. Mm -hmm. and, and I really didn't even think that I had an yeah. accent, but I did have one apparently. Um, yeah. and, which is also ironic because colored people used to look at me like, dude, why are you speaking so white? But then when I went into hospitality, people <laughs> would be like, oh my, you've got a, quite a strong similar line vibe going on there, you know? Uh, <laughs> so it's like, where do I fit in? But um, I've even had to teach a lot of colored kids that uh, because a lot of colored people also felt very inferior to me because they had a, a stronger colored accent. 
And when, when I train mm-hmm. my kids on how to um, get employment, how to go into the working world, when I encourage them to travel and everything, I said, you know, your accent isn't an indicator of, of your intelligence. intelligence. Mm-hmm. You know? So stop feeling inferior. You know, there's, there, there's one thing is having an accent. Another thing is behaving. And I'll say I'm guilty of it. People who behave a certain way have that certain accent, you know? Um, yeah. And I think that's, that's like you, you, you described it as being typically colored, which is um, a, a South Africanism. You know, we say that quite a lot. And, mm-hmm. but, you know, the sort of finding, I'm, I'm trying to help people find a middle ground between um, sounding like a colored and behaving like what we would call a typical colored. Uh, yeah. like, you, like you said, work for a bank, have a golf. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. call center, uh, a banking call center with a golf, living with your parents, and, and sitting outside on the corner thinking about you. <laughs> yeah, you know, with, the, with all of your expensive stuff, and then, you know, you, you've always got a baby on the way, so that's the next thing. But, I was going to say, uh, a few, or a few, in fact, that you're supporting simultaneously. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that's, if you're, that's if you've bothered to get involved. Because that's also another thing that, you know, what is it about our community that girls have children so young and then, like, the fathers kind of disappear. So there's often, you know, you, I mean, that's, I come from that background is that, you know, my dad disappeared to Australia just before I was born. So thanks for that. Um, but you know, that, that that's kind of the thing is that often, I mean, and, and again, I'm, I'm making a generalization. It's not to say that there aren't fathers who stay around and, you know, are dedicated to their children. I've got a few friends who are in that situation, but like I said, typically mm. more and more you see men not raising their children, not being involved in any aspect of their children's no. lives. And I always wonder what kind of impact that then has on a community if you don't see strong male role models often. Yeah. Because that unfortunately is part of the problem. And I mean, that's obviously why we have other problems. Well, not, not, I can't you know, draw a direct correlation, but then you mm. think of things like gangsterism because that in sense is where people find a sense of belonging. And yes. you know, those are the real male role models they've seen growing up. And so why not? You know, um, so yeah, it's... Like, it's such an interesting mm-hmm. point that you, you, you bring up there because I've had this conversation with a few people. Um, and, and, and again, I mentioned the colored community, but um, a lot of people from other races have stressed that it's, it's sort of across every race is the, 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 the lack of the absentee father. But for the purposes of this, we are talking about colored yeah. identity. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of colored people, especially from, from, from our parents' generation, um, Let's say that the father's, uh, he, he never cheated, he never hit his mm-hmm. wife, but he was so very, very distant from his kids, you know, very, yeah. very disconnected, which is something that, that, that I sort of identify with. You know, you can still be absent, and, but be physically present, you yeah, know? Um, so, so they think that they did okay purely because they didn't leave, <laughs> you know, yeah. or, or purely because, okay, they didn't abuse you, but they didn't have the capability to actually be a father, be that male role model. Mm-hmm. So that's why you find kids where, I mean, a lot of, you see a lot of colored parents, a lot of colored fathers ask themselves, but where did I go wrong? It's because you actually mm-hmm. weren't active. Being present is not the same as being active. Um, no. Yeah. And, Absolutely. And, and, 
Yeah, so, so, so as a result, you know, we have a lot of wayward kids. We have a lot of wayward um, kids without identity. And that, and, and that again, is, is fuel to the fire that is like gangsterism. Um, and violence and, and everything. And you see people doing just the most bizarre things. Like uh, I interviewed another guy on, on my podcast, um, mm-hmm. Angelo, who, uh, you know, he, he was, he, he was, he, he abused um, his girlfriends. It was just, it was just the thing. He was just this incredibly violent man. And I said to him, so why? Why did you do that? Did you suffer yeah. any trauma, anything? And he's like, no, not at all. He just grew up thinking that that is what men do. And all of his friends were doing it. He was doing it. It was seen as a cultural norm to beat your girlfriend until she swollen in the face, curled up in a corner, you know? And she stayed because she's also thinking, this is what love looks like, you know? And yeah, this is normal, uh, yeah. Yeah, this is normal. And, and, and as colored people, you know, it's, it's like an open secret that we generally have somebody in our family who is being abused and just nobody or talks about it because that's not what we do. And, yeah. and I think that's, that's also where I disconnect a bit about it, you know, it's because uh, there, there's a lot of fundamentals that our people are missing, like talking about money, like um, yeah. entering yourself, moving out of the community, traveling, you know, small things like that. Um, yeah. Reading. Just, you know, reading, yes, 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 yes. You know, I mean, my, my mom always encourages us to read and my grandmother was a school teacher. And when mm-hmm. we came home, it wasn't sit in front of the TV. It was do your homework and she'll coach you and she'll train you and she'll teach you. And that, and that also aided in, in, in where I am now. But it's, but when you grow up, you think, okay, you're not fitting in because, because of something like reading. You oh, know? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And you, you, you don't understand it at the time because you're growing up, but you realize that, you know, I've, I've never had a yeah. lot of friends. I always felt like I was out because... Because I read, <laughs> you know, I didn't oh, speak I, slang. I, I had a bit of an accent, but I, I never spoke slang. And people would look at me like, dude, what is wrong with you? You're broken. You're broken colored. You know? No, or, or sometimes using a word with three syllables and people look at you and you want to be like, um, yeah, that's, that's the word for the situation. And then you they say what? things like, nah, man, that's, you know. I, oh. I had to lean into having a slightly higher vocabulary. Well, not slightly. I, I, I've got quite a generous vocabulary, but... I've had to mm-hmm. lean into that, you know, and, and I, had to, I had to make a conscious decision to use that as my sort of superpower when, you know, when you're growing up and you feel awkward, it's like, okay, I know these words, but I can't converse with anybody. You feel quite... Yeah, alone. if I use them in a sentence, it's going to be a problem. No one will know what I'm saying. Yes, exactly. And I had someone tell me um, at the beginning of this, like, I like you. I always learn new words when I'm around you. <laughs> <laughs> You know, but again, it's you speak very well for a colored person. <sighs> yes. Okay. So, yeah. like I said, we got off track and we spoke about a lot of things. <laughs> but it was fun, though. But no, yeah. and, and like I said, and it's interesting. Um, but so for you, what does then coloredness mean, Chris? You know, um, so I'll take you. You, you know, as much as there's. There's, there's this typical colored stereotype that's rife. It's like a disease in our community, you know, that, uh, that these things are the new normal. But for me, colored means being able to defy expectation. If people can't place you in a box, that means that you can do anything. You can be the bar to which they measure you against. And 
um, even if you look different to the other people in your family, even if you speak differently to what people expect you to be, that doesn't take away from your intelligence, that doesn't take away from um, your strength, that doesn't take away from, from the impact that you can make in people's lives. And you can set a new benchmark for things that are not understood or being placed in a, in, in a, in a, in a box. And I think for me, put, it's, it's sort of putting in new things into the colored box for our people, for, um, for South Africans to sort of understand us better and to touch people in our, in, in our communities as well, because there are people being discriminated in their family based on the color of their skin. Mm -hmm. There are people um, who have straighter hair than their siblings or they, or they were born with light eyes. I mean, my ex, she, uh, her mother and all of her mother's brothers had blue eyes and they were colored. You know, and they had these ice blue eyes. And now imagine we had kids and one of the kids comes out with straight hair dark. and blue eyes, who's dark, mm -hmm. and then another kid with curly hair who's fair. You know, it's it's madness. But um mm -hmm. it's sort of sort of teaching people to embrace that. I, I, I'm not ashamed of where I come from. I still talk, I still make friends with the people. Um because I think at one point I was a bit stand offish. Mm -hmm. were the people because because of the rejection I faced. So it's like, okay, well, I'm not going to talk to you if you're not going to treat me as a human. But now it's like, speak well, still be who you are. And the ones that are supposed to love you are the ones that you're supposed to impact and change um, will, will come out of the woodwork eventually. So, yeah, being colored uh, for me is also changing what the definition of colored is, if that, okay. if that makes, makes sense. No, it's, it's, and it's... I'm actually, it's like, like I said, so it's really, I'm really, it's very much me, it's a journey. And it's very interesting to hear you say what you have, because the problem is with, there's a lot of negative stereotypes about our community. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's very hard to think of being colored without those stereotypes. So I remember like one year, you know, just like we had to dress up in our heritage. And oh, that's the worst. Heritage Day is the worst. <laughs> right? And so you end up then doing this terrible parody of what it means to be, you know, colored. So you end up going in like a soil coast and a overall with And people ask you where your orange cigarette. jumpsuit is. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. So like, such a thing to you. I mean, and, and like the thing about, it, like I said, so for, for me, a positive about being colored is this, sense of always having people at your back like the sense of community irrespective like i said so even though i some often feel outside it i see my mother and so she's been able to maintain like lots of relationships with people she's grown up with um in terms of the you know them being together and the struggle and the student politics and being mm. part of SACOS and all of those kinds of things and it's still like even though they've moved out of Rivoli. Um, like, you know, how they still get together when things go wrong. You know, there's a funeral and even though they haven't seen the guy in 10, 20 years, they will all get together to mourn that person and they'll yeah. be able to tell you where that person was from in Rivoli and like the stories and, you know, who he was friends with. And mm -hmm. that for me still is fascinating. Like I said, it's 20 years, but the fact that you, you could tell me the house number and the street and who his sisters were 20 years yeah. later. It's pretty amazing. Um, mm. So yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying the fact that you say it's the idea of bringing 
like of, of not of defying expectation because um, yeah. I often see all this potential within the community, but people um, just not having, I don't know if it's either the ambition or the, the hope that there is a, a different way of life. Yeah. And so, you know, being able to pursue that, mm. um, you know, you see really beautiful colored women who have amazing voices, but you know, there she is with 12 children and, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah and you you cringe when she opens her mouth so like i said it's very it's an interesting discussion mm. yeah you know this um and, and and that defiant expectation is not necessarily with other races it's with colored people as well to show them um because you know the stereotype is there for a reason we know more people than we should who are who are living this kind of stereotypical life um yeah and so the, the 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 thing is, it's just to to show them that look, it's not just that. Um, some you you know some of the things that really break my heart about colored people. Um, I had someone who was living on my property as well, uh, and she had a son who was in his teens. I think he was in matric around about there. And you know, at that point, you're starting yeah. to look at where you need to enroll, where you need to register, where your life is going to go, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was talking about how he has the ability to take apart a device like a TV or the microwave and put it back together and it still works. You know, he, he yeah. has the, a, a very good ability to reverse engineer something. And I said, you know what? That means that you need to focus on things like mathematics with, with problem solving. That means that you'll be a great yeah. architect or engineer or whatever. Um, he has that ability and you should send him in. It's like, no, but you, you could see it wasn't computing in the face. And she's like, oh, he can be a mechanic one day. You can work for someone and just be happy. And I'm like, you know, you literally, <laughs> you know, just, um, so, so that's a bit sad. Our community does, does tend to be quite narrow-minded. Um, yeah. But, you know, when they do community really well, they do it really, really well. Like my grandmother, you know, they weren't rich, like you said, working middle class. And, mm-hmm. um, but when people needed food, whenever they, they, they needed shelter or place to stay, she always opened up her home to people. And I love that because uh, it didn't matter of how they looked. Um, she never just mm. said, okay, no, well, the darker ones can't come in. You know, everybody was, was welcome. So when they do community, they do it very well. And yeah, it's, it, it's aspects like that, um, that then I suppose we need to choose to focus on. But having said that, the guys in the expensive cars still living with their mothers, the golfs, um, Still living with their mother, no, so think that they no, no. It, it does make me cringe. Still living with their mother in a flat, driving this BMW, that makes no sense to me, is that you live on top of 5 billion people with your mother, but you have all these expensive luxuries as though that defines who you are. Yeah, absolutely. So like, what do you think about the materialism within our community? Uh, I've gotten into trouble a few times because of, uh, I, I, I mean, I won't even lie to you. People, people that I've met is like, yeah, check there, I got a golf seven, you know? And I'm like, oh, okay. And you, so your apartment or, or your, your home or your town or whatever must be quite nice. It's like, yeah, I'm still living with my parents. And I'll be like, but why? Why are you going to have a 700,000 rand car? And Except with your mom. And you live with your mom, you know, I'm like, and then, and, and I would ask him, like, in, in at, you know, because, okay, I won't, I'm going to be, I'm going to level out here. It, uh, sometimes I can't hide my tone of disapproval, you know, but, um, <laughs> but I'll just be like, so, 
but why why don't you get a car a small car um for 100000 and then live in a really really nice place invest in property um or travel more or whatever why why and then like you can see there's just like this barrier that's hitting you know and i imagine that the source of his power comes from his very thick gold chain but <laughs> <laughs> like that's sort of like a battery to knock out common sense you know and <laughs> and so so i'm just like okay okay that's that's what you want to do and don't ever get a scratch on that thing his child hasn't got proper yeah. clothing but you know that guy is in immaculate yeah. condition and 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 that's what sort of hurts and i'm just thinking okay when it's time for him to ask i just need to let him know that i'm available for him to you know if he questions his life decisions at all um and and again i'm not better i've made some horrible decisions in my life but i know that there is a greater quality of life that's out there for our people and the materialism oh it it actually hurts my feelings yeah yeah <laughs> and, and what is your take on the materialism as well because you know we all know people like that i i must be honest i i really i can't compute um it's and you know i i try to make sense of it because i understand so for example like little so i know my mother and them's generation come from a time when there wasn't a lot of resources yeah and so there's that so you know they tend to compensate for the fact that they grew up with very little yes and so often you see parents then instead of giving time to children they give them access to resources because that's how you know it's it's about having grown up with not a lot and trying to do better for your children yeah and so there's also then in some ways there's also a sense that mat- material things are tied to your value as a person yeah um and so i've been thinking about how what is it about our community that our value is tied to material things mm. um you know is it is it the history of apartheid or consistently being told that you're never enough and so in order to determine your value you've attached it to a material thing yeah. um the thing now is also um reading and uh, uh i've been doing also lots of like feminist reading as well um i was reading a book by tracy cotton macmillan it's called thick and it's about you know ideas of being a black feminist and and kind of those things mm. and she was talking about the fact that you know the, the comments people make about how if you're poor you shouldn't buy certain things but she was saying that there's actually not a material value it's what those things then give you access to in terms of later things so for example buying a good suit and looking a particular way so you buy an expensive suit with you know a handbag and certain jewelry and that purchase will then give you access to employment which you would never have been able to get if you had not had those material you know th- if you did not have the material indication that you were able to do that job yeah so for example she was telling a story about the fact that she put on a particular suit with a handbag to go and apply for a job as a call center agent but when she got there and the manager saw the suit she was wearing and the handbag she had the manager in fact gave her the job as a supervisor instead of an agent because of the, the manner 
in which she was dressed. Mm. So, you know, and she's saying that, that, you know, that kind of, you don't understand how, you know, looking that particular way and having those material things can then open other doors and give you access to resources, which if you didn't look that way and didn't have those things would never do. Yes. So, like I said, so it's an idea and I was then trying to make sense of it in terms of like applying that to our community. Um, I haven't yet been able to correlate the ideas, but it's an interesting idea. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it, it does make you look at things a little bit differently. Mm. So yeah, I, like I said, but I, I also don't understand why you'd want to live in a flat with your mother and your other siblings, but wear 2000 Rand shoes and have, you know, this massive DSTV dish oh, when you could... start it on DSTV. Oh, it hurts my feelings. <laughs> so like I said, so yeah, I, I, so I don't get it. I don't... I, I can't compute. I mean, not, yeah. not... Okay, so let me put it this way. I live with my mother, but that was a, a choice. Yeah. Um, because you know, she's a single parent and she's saying to me, I have this house. You've moved out. It's lonely. What's the point? Yeah. Let's share resources. It's the two of us. We're both single. Let's, you know, and I'm happy here. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's I'm not going to lie. It's, it's, it's great at home, but also there's like a, still a lot of responsibility and stuff. But yeah, yeah. I, I had moved out. I have lived by myself in crazy places and expensive places for no apparent reason. Because um, I don't understand. The North is a fascinating little enclave as well. Yeah. Um, so Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the cedar squares and those places are very interesting as a person of color. Um, but anyway, so yeah. So um, just, just, just leaning into that narrative, sorry man, um, is uh-huh. that this thing of your life has to look a certain way by the time you get to a certain age, which is, it, it, it's bizarre to me. Mm-hmm. Like, let's say you're not employed, they'll ask you why you don't have kids. And they'll ask you, or they don't want you to have sex before marriage, but they want grandchildren. Or, Absolutely. Yeah, you know, like, why, why aren't you married? You know, but they'd rather have you be in a relationship with somebody who beats you um, than being single and happy, you know? Uh, I think the place Absolutely. that it comes from as well is, yeah, it, it's a bit out of whack. Like, like you said, you still live with your mom, but it's coming from a very different place. It's not that your priorities are out of whack, you know, that's not where it's coming from. No, but also like, so you're talking about that, is that in our communities, people will celebrate more the fact that you've had children or get married. Um, So I'm single. I'm in my 30s, my late 30s, in fact. And, you know, the idea that... But you're 36, right? I beg your pardon? You, you are 36. I'm 36, yes. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm also 36. That. It's quite interesting, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I was going to say, you know, have you started to notice, you know, when they do those age categories, the blocks, I've now moved up into the next block, you know, the 36 to 45 block. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was quite a... And then I started finding gray hairs, so don't even get me started on that. But anyway, like I said, I <laughs> <laughs> um, So, like, the idea that you are you like you found a person who's able to put up with you is celebrated more than the fact that you graduated on a master's degree cum laude Mm. which disjointed for me because why is there something wrong with me being alone 
and successful and happy, but she would rather I was unhappy, not able to achieve these other things and had five children as though that yeah. there's, there's more value attached to that life than the life I'm currently living. Yeah. That's also very interesting to me and, and how people respond to that. And like, my, you know, people have said to my mother, like, aren't you worried about her as though <laughs> there's something wrong with, with, with that situation that there's, yeah. you know, something like less about those choices as opposed to having five kids with different men. And it's you, also very you know one thing is i'm 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 open for discussion right so if i'm like okay if this isn't it then you know if that's the way that i must live my life why is that better than me let's say um being successful you know and they mm-hmm. can't answer it they can't they can't validate it they just know that that's how it's supposed to be uh, and, and it doesn't, it really, really doesn't make sense to me. You know how many colored people told me yeah. that I was being selfish for not wanting kids that I would rather adopt before having my own? And how is that selfish? I don't know. <laughs> I just said, how? How is that selfish? Yeah, I am. There's a child in need. I'm helping the child, but you'd rather I reproduce my own. Exactly. You know, and, and I said, um, uh, and even then, unless I can afford certain things, or my lifestyle doesn't um, get, if I can't maintain my my, my lifestyle and afford a child, I'm not going to have one. Mm -hmm. Whether that's adoption or anything is that I want to be able to do stuff, you know, because then there's a colored Mm -hmm. curse of, okay, no, we must wait until payday. And I don't want that for my life, you know? I don't want my my, my children to grow up with that either. Because basically you live paycheck to paycheck and... The truth of the matter is by the fifth day after payday, you in fact have no money. So why would you live that way? Yeah, and living on credit and then you think, and then you think, oh, it's a good idea. Let me bring someone into the world, you know? Yeah. And and teach them these ways as well. Yes, because, because this is the right way, you know? So, (laughs) yeah, that, that, yeah, that has always put, me as well and a few people have told me one person even said to me like you don't have children but then who are you going to leave behind when you die and i'm like so i must have kids so that when they're young i die and then i've got kids like what i don't know well no the other thing is who will take care of you when you're old oh man that's (laughs) it's hard to pick a it's hard to pick a a worst thing and no way does it say that it's like why don't you invest well why don't you plan your retirement, why must I take care of you? I must be grateful that you chose to have me. I had no say in the matter. So, yeah, Chris, there's been some interesting stuff. And also, like, there's this almost sense that happiness isn't something to be celebrated in our communities. It's almost like our mindset is one of constant struggle. Yeah. Um, You know, like, what is that about us? that mm. we, t- we we don't take joy in like little things anymore yeah. um i mean and i get life is hard for some people but it just looks like our community looks hard done by you know when you drive through curry or westbury or nuclear people just look like life is hard you know what i mean and yeah. just unhappy and you think like what is it about 
why do we not see a different way? Why do we not change our choices? Why do we only see this future for ourselves? Yeah. Um, I was I was speaking to to a, a group of people who are doing f fantastic work in the community, um, mm -hmm. the Boys Brigade, and they and they actually help a lot of kids who are fatherless. There's another company called the Character Company that mm -hmm. helps kids who, who are fatherless as well, and a lot of it's um, colored run, you know. But even mm -hmm. then, like these guys are trying to mentor some of them, not all of them, but but some of them are trying mm -hmm. to mentor kids who are still angry about their present circumstance, you know? And uh, yeah. like, they'll say to me that, you know what? The problem is we're not black enough. We're not white enough. You know, we, we, we're stuck in the middle and people don't like us, but you know, they, they, they're always around that. That just means that you need to be m more persistent, you know, but they are mm. mentoring kids again. Uh, he's not into alcohol, he's not into drugs, but you telling him that he's not going to be good enough, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's also, that's also an issue, you know? So instead of using your, um, I call it ethnic ambiguity, <laughs> instead of using that as your superpower, you're actually teaching people that it's gonna hinder them and they'll never be enough. And that's also yeah. outbreak in our community, what I've, what I've picked up, you know? Yeah. <sighs> Dude, so, again, okay. <laughs> we've digressed. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been really interesting to talk to you. Um, yeah. I don't know, do you think like there's anything else? Because like, like I said, I'm trying to to marry this idea of what it means to be, I mean, and someone said to me, perhaps the the thing is that there isn't a coherent identity of coloredness and that, you know, you should approach it as such that it's always going to be incoherent and illogical and that, you know, that's how it is. And then try to figure out where your place is in all of, all of that in a madness which is no which is hard for you know someone like me who, who likes who likes lines and straight answers and stuff so mm. anyway yeah. yeah so 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 with you um if you don't mind me asking what do nope. how do you identify as colored like that's the thing I, I i don't um that's part of my problem is i've been mm. trying to figure out how it is identified because you know when i was growing up like i said i i assimilated so I, in essence, you know, people say you're, you're colored by birth, but the way in which I was raised is a lot more white slash Western, right? Yeah. Um, and then for a long time, my identity was tied to what I did to make money. So I was either an attorney or I was a public prosecutor. And mm. that then kind of consumed who I was as a person. Yeah. And when I finally got out of the NPA, I was in a bit of a state. Um, I was very angry about a lot of things because um, you realize ideas of justice are just that ideas. It doesn't always work that way in practice. Yeah. And that ideas of that justice is tied to your skin tone and how much access you have to resources in terms of the type of attorney you can afford. Yeah. Um, and like I said, when I finished prosecuting, I was very angry. And in a lot of ways I felt lost because, you know, I'd spent all this time doing what was expected of me. I, you know, I went to school, I achieved at school. I went to varsity, I got the degrees I said that I was going to do. And then I, I went out, I worked like I was supposed to. I then got bored because unfortunately that is my personality type is that I get bored very quickly once I figured out how to do something. And so then I went and I did a master's because in essence I was bored. 
And yeah. now I have a master's in law and you're looking at your life and going, now what? Um, yeah. Way too from um, the career you thought defines you is not who you are. Because mm. like I said, also I realized prosecuting made me such an angry, unhappy person. Mm. Um, and so like I said, so, you know, for a long time, my identity was tied to this. Um, and then I left it. And then the kind of question was, okay, now what? What is it that defines you? What are the things that tie intrinsically to who you are? Mm. Um, and so, you know, I tried to get to the idea that it's, it's non-racial, but everything, unfortunately, in our, in our society, well, South African society, is still tied to race. It's, yeah. you know, for Absolutely. a long time, it, it's, it's still going to be and we're not having the conversations about it. It's, you know, people get angry when you raise these things um, and talk to you about a non-racial world, but the reality is race and class are still intrinsically tied. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Chris, I've been struggling with, with then how I do identify because, like I said, I, I feel like I was rejected by the colored community because I wasn't the typical community <laughs> yeah no I, I never spoke that way i didn't think that way when yeah. you try and engage with people and you want to you, you like i remember having a conversation with a bunch of people um about what it means to be a superhero and then i went on this tangent about how it's overcoming um you know obstacles and and standing your ground and you know bettering yourself and all of that and they looked at me and the guy was like, nah, I was looking for the fact that he was big and green. <laughs> just wow. Like... <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I wonder why I don't want to speak to these people. <laughs> <laughs> and like, you know, and so my mother's very involved in the church. And then you go to church and I'm a questioner. I'm, I'm really bad at, at like just following stuff especially if it makes no sense to me. So religion is, you know, it's, it's a big thing, obviously, of a lot of identity. Yeah. Um, and so I have difficulty with that. And then, so I, I'm not like a regular church goer, even though my mother's like seriously involved in church. And then mm. you go to church and people ask you stupid questions like, what are you doing here? And the sarcastic cow really wants to be like, well, my cousin is looking for new members. And so I thought I'd come recruit here. And then I'm uh. just like, no, you need to be polite. So, like I said, so I just, you know, I look at all these things. And then, like I said, people just say the most arbitrary shit to me. <laughs> just mm. think, but why? <laughs> why? Yeah. So, it's very hard for me to identify as colored because I don't, I'm not in that community. I, I feel like an outlier in that community. And mm. so, yeah. Those are the problems, Chris. That's why I'm on this journey to figure out what it all means. Mm. Yeah, wow. because like I said, what is colored mm. culture? I mean, like in terms of coloredness, is my family who again aren't typical coloreds because my grandmother, you know, kind of reacted in some ways to that. So they all speak a particular way. She, you know, worked hard for, especially for my mother's younger siblings to go to varsity and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's also a thing within the family is that the older siblings 
there's some resentment because they had to leave, you know, for some of them they had to leave school earlier to help support their younger siblings and their mm. younger siblings' opportunities that they never did. So, yeah, Chris, I don't know. I must be honest. Um, I mean, we lived in Flareoff also, but, you know, the way when I was growing up, my mother, they were all concerned, you know, like, because they didn't want me to be out in the street playing. So, you know, I didn't really go out with other colored children, even though we lived in Flareoff. I didn't yeah. go to school with them. I went to white schools. And then I went to Parktown Girls and already by that stage, my ident- I was able to identify more with white children than, you know, with the other colored girls. Mm. So I could kind of speak to them for five minutes and then, you know, then there was nothing to talk to about. Yeah. So there were those kinds of, you know, things. And so, like I said, so that's why for me, it's hard to identify as colored because <clears throat> that's not how my identity was formulated. I was not, it was not formed within the community yeah. and always like even when we go back to my mother's friends in Rivoli and stuff it was almost always used to feel like stuff you had to endure you know like you were here visiting these people and you could go in so many towers and so you kind of sat and waited until it was time to leave mm. um, so like I said so that's why I think in a lot of ways I have this problem identifying as colored but then my question is what do I identify and as and that is part of the journey yeah that's that is so so interesting um yeah you know like <laughs> well, well my solution to that was like screw it i'm gonna be colored and i'm gonna be me whether you like it or not <laughs> you know okay, i so i made a choice you know i'm not it's me colored I said, but the question is, you know, I, 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 I say, yeah, cool, I'm going to be me, but what is me tied to? It's not tied to being colored. So then what? You know what I mean? So, yeah. Well, it's, it, it's you to your perception of being colored. That is also an interesting statement. Because, you know, I mean, we, we mentioned a lot of the negative aspects of it, which, mm. we, which you and I, I think the one thing we have in common is we purposefully went in the opposite direction. We ran. We ran away from it. Um, yes, ran screaming, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, but <laughs> you, you know what? I mean, what, what definitely helped is me being on the ground floor with, 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 with the kids, you know? I like to introduce them to, 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 to people of color who have also run in the opposite direction. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, be, because I think a big issue with with our kids is the ex, is what they're exposed to. Um, yeah, colored people I think tend to be quite afraid of new things, as well. Mm. You know, it's it, it's easier to say it's always been this way, but if you show them another way, um, you know, like yeah, you know, just just point them in the direction that you're running away in, then. Um, and, and also getting to see sort of the, the root of where all of those things come from and in how they're raising their kids and everything. And, and, and not even mm-hmm. purposefully um, telling them that what they're doing is wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just to show them an alternative and let them make the decision from there. That's why I think um, maybe now I'm a lot more comfortable with being colored because I mm-hmm. see the potential in our people on such a raw level you know, seeing, seeing mm. people where they're hungry for something and what they're getting at home is just, it needs to be this way. 
But if they see it, if they yeah. get it from another source, then they're also they're happy to be colored and different as well. That's 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 me. Yeah, no, that was. Uh, sorry, I was getting a phone call, and so I'm, I'm talking to you on my phone. <laughs> so no worries, no worries at all. But yeah. Um. So yeah, no, that's very interesting. So, what in fact made you go and get involved in you know communities in this way? So, um, my sort of elevator pitch for what I was doing it's it's called the, the Work Readiness Program. I lived in yeah. Boston on my own for quite a while, yeah. and. Uh, you know, playing, still playing Lincoln Park from my house so that all the neighbors can hear that. I'm <laughs> that I'm strange, you know, like you, you, you learn to lean into what makes you different, you know. But yeah. having seen kids there that were playing the street, playing soccer in the street, now drug addicts sitting on the corner, um, I, I really, really got fed up with it. So I designed and developed a program. Um, and before our good friend COVID-19 hit, it was actually poised. Uh, to go out, to, to be rolled out nationally um, in, in, in different communities and, and, and to serve the needs of the people. But I got tired of, you know, it, it, it's one thing to point out all of the flaws and everything that, that you see is wrong. I, I wanted to do something about it because um, of all of the good things that I've seen um, in our community and decide to capitalize on that, you know, and still, and, and still people can be colored and still be unique. They can still find their voice. They can still find out what their aptitude is, um, what their goals are. And it, and it doesn't have to be, um, you know, get a trade. What if you you can have a hobby that can make you money as well as something where if you need to support your family, you know? Um, and how to be out on your own, yeah. how to budget, how to save, just small things like that um, mm -hmm. on a grassroots level, teaching uh, people in our community just a slightly different way and then let them make a choice. Because right now it feels like I don't think they're getting a choice or they, they fully understand what the options are. They just know that I'm different, you know? <laughs> and um, and it, it feels weird, it feels wrong for them in the beginning to even converse with me mm. about their life and what their priorities are. But um, I'm not saying I have all of the answers. It's literally just to show them other options of how to live. And I, I, I've developed a bit of a new love for my community. It's not easy. Um, it's an uphill climb, but so far I'm really, really enjoying it. That's very interesting. Um, but you're also something very interesting now about how music seems to define how a community um, <laughs> looks at you. You know, so mm. if you play music that is not typically Ooh, colored or R&B or hip hop that... I hate old school R&B. Eh? I think that's my one thing. It's like my, my rebellion against the community. <laughs> oh, no, I remember this. I still pump Lincoln Park now and again. Or, you know, like I... We used to listen to it quite a lot so, back in the day. Oh, I know, absolutely. I still do. Um, and like mm. other rock. I, I realized... Yes, I love alternative. I, you know, I my, yeah, I used to teach my mother about you know they made music after 1984 because she's still you know listening to kind of the same stuff and i was listening to my playlist my rock playlist the other day and i realized i was like oh my word i'm still stuck in 2003 2004 yeah. when it comes to my musical taste <laughs> so i've actually i mean i've actually trained spotify to 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 play that old music for me but to introduce like a new artist on two new artists every day to throw them into the mix, you know, to sort of stretch me. Because <laughs> it's easy to get trapped. 
No, absolutely. Um, so I was so like, you know, finding new rock bands. I was like, ooh, these ones are interesting. I'm gonna try this. It's yeah, but also then like I, I've also found, you know, that I'm able to now appreciate um different music, different types, different genres of music. Um, yeah. So I now found like a love of classical opera, which has also been very interesting in terms of how people then perceive that as part of an identity when you're not you're not tied to a particular type of music. Yeah. Um, uh, that's also been an interesting thing. Cause like, you know, I have white friends who will only kind of listen to, you know, rock kind of things or pop. Mm. And then I have like colored friends who are only like into hip hop. And so it's, it's very interesting then how those dynamics play out. Yeah. The, um, what I had a habit of doing uh, if I pulled up next to, let's call it the typical colored in the Gulf for this sound and everything, um, <laughs> or, 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 or even if it's not playing anything because he has to hear what I'm playing, I would put on like Faint from Lincoln Park, you know, just like really, really, really loud. <laughs> to the point where it's distorted, but to see their eyes and how they look at me, it freaks them out. <laughs> I enjoy it. You know, it's, I love, um, like I said, I've, I've got a love for my community, but... Mm-hmm. That I'm still gonna show them that I'm bloody weird, man. That I'm not who they think I am, you know. And am I gonna take no. them? No. Um, that could be a potential business partner. It could be someone who's actually doing quite well, not necessarily mm-hmm. dealing or working for a bank. But <laughs> um, yeah, you know, just yeah, I'm 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 leaning into it. But I've got I've definitely got a soft spot for our community. I love our people. That's very interesting, and you've given me a lot of things to think about. Um, yeah, uh, so I was gonna say to you, um, yeah, <laughs> um, if you need help with anything, I please think of me as a resource that you could use in terms of the stuff that you're doing within the community. Because I think I've been thinking a lot about you know giving back somehow, and I've just a never found <laughs> the drive to go and look and do the proper research myself. So. Yeah. Like I said, think of me as a resource, someone who's willing oh, to... Oh, I will, you know. Um, I, I, I actually uh, organize guest speakers to come um, mm-hmm. and speak to the kids, both people that they can relate to, you know, in terms of who they look like, yeah. what their identity is. Um, but just, I've got one stipulation, Sam. One stipulation. If they end the sentence in Moss, you cannot throw your eyes <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, that's terrible. And I've realized now that as I've gotten older, I used to have a really good poker face, but now my face, I think it's also like working for myself. I don't have to be around people a lot. So my yeah. face has lost its ability to be blank when people say weird shit. Okay, well, we've got to get that, 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 that muscle memory uh, working again. Back, absolutely. You know what? I actually found a workaround for that. Look shocked and surprised instead of like, oh God, here we go. you know, just be like, oh. You know, it's like, you know what, I'm not, and then, and then you, you, you actually, you, you have a bit of raw honesty with them saying, you know what, I'm not around people like that who speak like that, you know? Um, no. So I'm not used to it. Just please forgive me if, if I pull like a weird expression. <laughs> if I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, if, if I don't understand what you're saying, because I tell them, I'm like, no, bruh, I, mean, I was raised to speak Queen's English, you know, I can't meet you at that level. But maybe we can find some place in the beginning and that and uh, or, or to meet in the middle. And that is often just clear communication. What are you feeling? What yeah. are you experiencing? I must be weird to you. Tell me why I'm weird. You know, and I'll tell you why you're weird to me. And then we understand each other. It's, what's in common? Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's the workaround that I found for it. 
because some things make me cringe inside. I am screaming on the inside. But I'm just like, okay. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. <laughs> but again, it's, it's, it's with training, it's with practice. But for sure, for sure, I'll, I'll be giving you a call. No, I'm really glad we had this conversation, Chris. Thank yeah. you so much for your time. Um, like no, I said, maybe you. I'll call you in a couple of days and we can do this again. But yeah, it's been really interesting. Yeah, I'm more in tune to it now. So I'm going to walk amongst the people, you know, <laughs> and share any, <laughs> any anecdotes or anything that I have. But yeah, <laughs> I really enjoyed today. Man. Thank you so much, sir. Thanks, Chris. Thank you so much. You. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Bye.